Good day, and welcome to the Bancorp Inc.'s third quarter 2022 earnings conference call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star than one on your touchtone phone. To withdraw your question, please press star than two. Please note today's event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Andres Virislav, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today for the Bancorp's third quarter 2022 Financial Results Conference Call. On the call with me today are Damian Kozlowski, Chief Executive Officer, and Paul Frankel, our Chief Financial Officer. This morning's call is being webcast on our website at www.thebankcorp.com. There will be a replay of the call available via webcast on our website beginning at approximately 12 p.m. Eastern Time today. The dial-in for the replay is 1-877-344-7529 with a confirmation code of 599-7176. Before I turn the call over to Damien, I would like to remind everyone that when used in this conference call, the words believes, anticipates, expects, and similar expressions are intended to identify forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Security Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Such statements are subject to risks and uncertainties, which could cause actual results, performance, or achievements to differ materially from those anticipated or suggested by such statements. For further discussions of these risks and uncertainties, please see the Bancor's filing with the SEC. Listeners are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements, which speak only as of the date hereof. The Bancorp undertakes no obligation to publicly release the results of any revisions to forward-looking statements, which may be made to reflect events or circumstances after the date hereof, or to reflect the occurrence of unanticipated events. Now I'd like to turn the call over to the Bancorp's Chief Executive Officer, Damien Kozlowski. Damien? Thank you, Andres. Good morning, everyone. The Bancorp generated $0.54 cents per share earnings from 14% revenue growth and 9% year-over-year expense growth exclusive of a $1.75 million SEC civil monetary penalty this quarter. Net income climbed 8% year-over-year with strong increases in net interest income and GDV, gross dollar value of transactions, with the impact of those increases partially offset by the SEC settlement. Pre-tax income rose 21% excluding, excluding that settlement. Net interest income and net interest margin significantly increased this quarter. Net interest income was up 27%, driven by our 70% mix of variable rate loans and higher balances. NIM increased from 3.17 in Q2 to 3.69 in Q3, as Fed fund increases disproportionately affect loan rates versus funding costs, which are contractually contained. Period and total loan balances, excluding health for sale, increased 11% over the linked quarter, led by real estate bridge lending with 34% quarterly growth. GDV grew 15% compared to Q3-21, with significant growth across most verticals with the exception of general-purpose reloadable programs, which continue to show modest declines, due mostly to the adoption of debit by our fintech partners. Card fees year-over-year increased 5%, and other payment fees increased 17%. For the total envelope activities in fintech solutions group, fees in aggregate grew 6%. Due to product and customer expansion from our current partners and new members to our ecosystem, we returned to historical trend growth in the third quarter. First quarter of 22 showed only 2% GDP growth over 21 due to the impact of stimulus in 21 and the loss of VARA. The second quarter showed improvement growing 5% over 2021 as these impacts lessened. We believe the third quarter reflected a more normalized GDP run rate 
and anticipate high single to mid double digit growth rates to be sustained over the foreseeable future. Revenue growth continues across our platform as lending volumes steadily increase and new payment partners are added to our ecosystem. The expansion of both net interest margin due to rising rates and payment fees across our verticals should support significantly increased profitability in 2023. We are issuing preliminary guidance for 23 of $320 a share, excluding the impact of future buybacks, but including the impact of rate increases based on Fed fund futures. We also reiterate 225 to 230 guidance for 22. The 320 guidance for 2023 would represent approximately a 40% increase in earnings per share over 2022 and result in an ROE percentage in the mid-20s and an ROA above 2%. We are also planning to increase our share repurchases to $25 million a quarter or $100 million in 2023 from $15 million a quarter or $60 million in 2022. I now turn the call over to Paul Frankel to give you more details on the third quarter. Thank you, Damian. Return on assets and equity for Q3 2022 reflected the impact of the $1.75 million SEC settlement and were respectively 1.7% and 18% compared to 1.8% and 18% in Q3 2021. Q3 pre-tax income increased 6 million or 16% to 42 million compared to 36 million in Q3 2021. In addition to considering the the current year $1.75 million SEC settlement in that comparison, the prior year included $1.2 million of PPP-related interest and fees, substantially all of which were eliminated in the current year quarter. Also reflecting the $1.2 million PPP reduction was $65 million of Q3 2022 net interest income which nonetheless increased 27% over Q3 2021. Additionally, in Q3 2022, funding costs contractually adjusted immediately to Federal Reserve rate hikes and increased to 1.19% from 18 basis points during Q3 2021. While funding costs generally adjust immediately, they adjust to only a portion of rate increases while loans on a more lag basis adjust more fully. The majority of these loan rate increases occur over a 90-day period. As a result, continuing quarterly rate hikes in the second and third quarters of 2023 led to an increase on our net interest margin to 369, 3.69 in Q3 2023, 22 from 3.17% for Q2 2022. As loans continue to reprice, with continuing expected rate increases, we believe that increases in loan yields in Q4 2022 and in 2023 will continue to exceed the increase in funding costs and continue to increase margins and net interest income. The provision for credit losses was $822,000 in Q3 2022 compared to $1.6 million in Q3 2021. However, a $3.3 million net unrealized fair value loss was reflected in net realized and unrealized gains on commercial loans at fair value, which reduced diluted net income per share by approximately $0.04. Cents. The, the loss resulted primarily from the only movie theater in the company's portfolios. That loan was originated in 2015 and was a legacy loan from the initial entry into the CMBS securitization business which was subsequently discontinued. After discontinuance, 
non-SBA loan originations were primarily comprised of apartment building loans. The $2.15 billion of non-SBA commercial loans at fair value and real estate bridge loans, which together comprise the non-SBA CRE portfolio, $2.05 billion are comprised of apartment building loans. Prepaid, debit, and other payment-related accounts are our largest funding source and the primary driver of non-interest income. Total fees and other payments income of $21 million in Q3 2022 increased 6% compared to Q3 2021. Non-interest expense for Q3 2022 was $45 million, a 14% increase over Q3 2021. Exclusive of the $1.75 million SEC settlement, non-interest expense increased 9%. The largest component of that increase was a 12% rise in salaries expense, reflecting higher incentives for business generation, financial crimes and compliance expense, and higher employee insurance expense. Book value per share at quarter end increased 6%, to $11.81 compared to $11.13 a year earlier, reflecting retained earnings partially offset by fair value adjustments to the investment portfolio resulting from the higher rate environment. Quarterly share repurchases should continue to reduce shares outstanding. I will now turn the call back to Damien. Thank you, Paul. Operator, could you please open the line for questions? Absolutely. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star than one on your touchtone phone. If you're using a speakerphone, we ask that you please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star than two. Today's first question comes from Michael Perito at KBW. Please go ahead. Hey, Hello, Mike. Uh, Damien Paul, good morning. How are you guys? Uh, very good, thank you. Good, thanks for taking my question. So, um, I wanted to start on the the new guide. I I appreciate that you guys probably aren't looking to give a lot of line by line color here, but was wondering if you could maybe give us some some flavor on what some of the key drivers are of that that 40% um, EPS growth rate that the 320 EPS guide suggests. I mean, I imagine the NIM probably's got. Yeah, well, the NIM is a big driver. You can can give us a great thanks. I'm sorry, we lost you a bit there. So the biggest driver is the net interest income. So as Paul was saying, we get the deposit immediately reprices, but we get this most of the loans repriced over a 90-day period. So we've got this lag that's a building profitability that's going to happen over the next six months as they continue to raise rates, and we really won't feel the full profitability effect uh, until you know somewhere between May and June of next year if it's uh, the current Fed funds predictions. That's one main driver. The other main driver is just the payments continues to uh, restore the trend, uh, and we're seeing that fee growth uh, come up. Uh, we expect it to better match the av- uh, actual GDP growth over the next couple of quarters. So those two things combined will really have a, a very large impact on the uh, net income realization from our revenue. And, and what's driving the, the pickup in, in card fees? I saw in the release you guys mentioned there's a, a couple new partners. Um, a, a, any other color there? I mean, it, it sounds like you think that could get up to a double-digit rate maybe the next quarter or two. Yeah, so 
it totally depends on which programs grow. Uh, after you still have a little lag, uh, GDV is going down on prepaid reloadable, which is more profitable, and we're building more debit. So there's still a little bit of that in there. But we renegotiated uh, over the last couple of years uh, the <clears throat> proportion of interchange versus uh, deposit funding we get from some of our partners because they wanted more interchange. And so right now you saw we've been predicting around 40, 42% deposit beta with us getting about 58%. But we had that pretty much this quarter, but we still have that lag. So some of that fee is being taken into the NIM uh, because we're getting more of the deposit funding. However, when we look at our portfolio, we've got a couple of new big partners coming in. We have sustained profitability from some of our large accounts, and we don't have a lot of additional tiers that we're going to break through where there's pricing lower based on volume. So we should see that 6%, you know, get up closer to the uh, whatever the GDV is. So we, we expect the GDV still to be double digit, you know, to mid double digits over the next year, and we're hoping that those that fee level is going to be more like nine to eleven, maybe even a little bit more percent. That's kind of where our estimate is. Great, um, very helpful. And then just lastly, uh, for, for me um, on the opex side, uh, maybe for Paul, any any thoughts on you know where that it, there was a little noise this quarter? Right? Any thoughts on where that might settle? And, and as we look ahead to kind of the first quarter of next year, which should we expect some kind of inflationary pressure around comp and salaries and benefits and, and things of that as, as we think about the run rate for, for 2023? Yeah, I think um, the statistics I've been looking at were, is that nationally uh, uh, salary increases are in, in the 5% range. So, you know, we, we have some pressure uh, on us. We, we think it's fairly modest. Um, so... But we're not, you know, obviously we live in the same economy as everybody else, and there is more inflation. So it'll increase more than, a little bit more than 3%, but um, we still think that, that it's going to be modest and um, that our earnings will continue to be driven by the, the significant growth in revenues. And we won't, we're not going to add, you know, we're, the, the platform across has we've done a lot of work on the efficiency side so there while we're still adding volumes you know greater than 10 percent in the loan book uh you, you're not going to get the same growth in headcount so we're going to have limited headcount as a percentage but we'll have absolutely some inflationary pressure probably not more than five percent on the uh on the on the payroll side now the other expenses are, have been very controlled so you know there might be a few instances where those are going to be in fact uh, affected, but uh, we have some long-term contracts and some of the services that we that are provided to us. So some of those are inflation protected over the next couple of years. Very good. Thank you guys. I appreciate you taking my questions. Have a good weekend. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mike. And our next question today comes from Frank Ciraldi with Piper Sandler. Please go ahead. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Um, I also just want to try and focus, if I could, a little bit on the um, the guide because I think that's the, the most important number <laughs> that we saw in the quarter, just given what is really big growth, obviously. Um, yep. What it, the when you talk about the the pipeline and um, 
the card fee kind of matching GDV. Um, so are you saying that you really only need or you're only sort of, a, you know, indicating maybe low double-digit growth in card fees going ahead? So if you get, you know, 10 11% card fee growth over the next year, that's, um, that's supportive of, of that 320 number? Uh, yes. Uh, but there, you know, we're, we're being on the 320, just to make a general statement, we're still a quarter away from the end of the year. And there's a lot of volatility in the marketplace. So we're very careful to make sure that if we're going to put out a preliminary guidance, that it is uh, a guidance that we think is thoughtful depending on the market environment. So, you know, there's a wide uh, ranging scenarios on what could happen next year, including both a, a significant recession to a soft landing, right? We're, we're definitely put a guidance in that we feel, regardless of the market conditions, that the bank will be able to meet. So they're, they're, it's a conservative, thoughtful, scenario-built uh, 320 that we think we'll be able to meet uh, because we have the ability to adjust what we're doing as a company uh, in order to make sure that we can uh, meet those expectations. But the, 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 the guide itself, uh, the, fee, the fee part of it is a small part of it, just proportionally, just because of the, the significant impact of the interest rate increases. So if, we, if we're anywhere near that, um, the Fed futures, which right now is between 450 and 475, where the, the Fed will stop um, raising, and that raise will at least maintain 450 at the end of the year, that 320 should be uh, easy for the bank to meet. Okay. Um, and so I guess that would be the risk to the 320 if we do go into a deep recession and the Fed turns around and starts cutting rates. That's because that's a big part of the, um, of the growth. Uh, as you yeah, yeah so we, we, yeah, we modeled that out, but you would have to cut it it would have to be severe, and a lot of our floor uh, loans, new loans we have, have floors, like for the real estate portfolio. So it would be, we'll update the guidance. We're 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 listening, just like everybody else. Everybody, you know, you could turn on CNBC for for uh, you know 30 minutes and have such wide opinions on what's going to happen uh, with the economy that we're we're being careful uh, as we were during the pandemic to. To, to ensure that we're not giving the best thoughtful guidance that we can, and we'll update it as we get more clarity. Okay, great. And then um, just on, um, I guess, similar line of questioning, but just in terms of the balance sheet, you know, it's historic, last several years have been sort of a mixed shift um, into uh, loans and out of uh, lower yielding securities. Um, as we think about, uh, the balance sheet over the next year. Do we think that level of securities balances has sort of stabilized and going to start moving higher, or you know, and and so you know, increase the overall level of, of size of the balance sheet? Um, and where do you kind of see that um, over the next year, kind of you know, falling out in terms of um, you know total asset size? Yeah. So. Uh, we have a lot of room on the security side because we purposely stopped buying securities a couple, uh, three years ago, three and a half years ago, when the interest rates kind of topped out on the 10-year line, 3.30, I think, and that was purposeful. Uh, we bought a lot of securities at that time and took some asset sensitivity off the table. But we really did 
um, you know, it put a drag on profitability. We just thought, as Paul was saying before, we really took a position that uh, both the monetary and fiscal stimulus was going to lead to significantly, ultimately to inflation and significantly higher rates. So we have a lot of room to put on fixed rate assets um, as we top out an interest rate cycle. So we will be, um, we're not sure when, uh, usually it's somewhere prior to the last interest rate. We're keeping our eyes on it, but we will add a significant amount of bonds. Uh, we are around 800. We used to be around 1.5 billion. So, um, I can't, you know, regardless of that, uh, and that's really to take a lock in the, obviously the, the fixed rate. So we're, and there's other ways to do it too. So we're definitely going to take fixed rate exposure on our balance sheet over the next year. Uh, and it totally depends on how, what's going on in the marketplace. But we're, we're hoping, we're, to be honest with you, we're hoping for more normalized interest rate situation. Uh, we're hoping that we don't, you know, if you're, your inflation is two and a half and you're at zero interest rates, you're going to have inflation and you probably should have your Fed fund somewhere between 100 and 200 basis points higher than inflation in order to have a normalized economy. We sure hope that's what happens. If that happens, the bank is incredibly well positioned for the next couple of years to generate uh, significant earnings growth. Great. And then just last question on, on that front. Um, so, you know, you've talked in the past about um, the consumer business, um, consumer lending. Does this um, guy, uh, you know, have any sort of new business lines that you expect you're going to ramp up to uh, in 2023 to provide sort of, um, you know, um, to, to help with this guide? Or is it really just, um, you know, the business that's on the bank now in terms of the growth rates, the margin, um, to get to that 320. Yeah, the base, the base 320 doesn't include a lot of extras to the point that, you know, certain lending, you know, we've, we've cut back for our own purposes based on the fact there might be a hard consumer landing to more uh, nominal amounts. We're going to be in that business, but, you know, we're talking a couple hundred million instead of six or seven hundred million. So, we, we've really pared that back in the 320 guide. Now, that's total upside. We'll see if we get a – that's part, you know, we'll have higher loan growth. We've, we've kind of looked at the loan growth and said, you know, the, there's obvious areas where we're doing con, some consumer lending like S-Block that might be impacted. So we've been very conservative on our 320 preliminary estimate. And as we get more clarity going into this quarter – and, you know, it, it's um, – you never know until you see it because we've got a complex uh, funding source from many different programs. So we have to see the deposit growth and we have to see where in the economy things are slowing down. Though we have some areas like in leasing, we still have a tremendous, tremendous amount of demand from backlog uh, for new leases. So there's offsets there. So we're, we don't have a lot of fanciness, 320, let's put it that way. So we, it's fairly insulated from a reliance on big new programs. Okay. All right. Thank you for all the color. Okay. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the conference back over to Damian Kozlowski for any closing remarks. Appreciate everyone attending. Uh, want to thank you and talk soon. Operator, you, you can disconnect the call. Yes, sir. Thank you. This concludes today's conference. You may now disconnect your lines and have a wonderful day. <laughs>